Jay Swaminarayan, Namaste. Previously in our series, we looked at a tiny part of the Srimad Bhagavat Puran and hopefully took to heart the insights of Sri Krishna Bhagwan's flute. We looked at two flute lessons in our two previous sessions. Thus far, Sri Krishna's flute has instructed us to try and calibrate towards fortitude and flexibility. And today, we will learn the third lesson. The bamboo plant is minding its own business, growing peacefully in the forest, but quickly realizes, I need to repeatedly put up with the changing weather. Then, unexpectedly, a craftsman comes along and takes it away from its own family and sends it through a procedure that it didn't plan for. After all that, the craftsman takes it, now in the form of a flute, and places it into the hands of God. This is where we left off. The fourth and final line of the poem that we were looking at sheds light on the final leg of the flute's journey. Sahan karyati ene shamariya evali ki di Vare vare van marina adhare chare Vagya pela vasalarine vindhavu pare Sahan karyati ene shamariya evali ki di Vare vare van marina adhare chare in other words, Krishna chooses to keep the flute by his side and play it since it has tolerated so much. This is the answer to the gopi's question in the Srimad Bhagavat Puran. We often find ourselves asking, how much can I tolerate? Why should I tolerate? So, how is the flute able to tolerate so much? This leads us to the third lesson of the flute, fulfillment. There is a Sanskrit verse that explains this first aspect and concept very clearly. It says, Sampurna kumbho nakaroti shabdam ardho gato gosham upeti nunam In other words, a filled pot does not make any disturbing noises. In other words, doesn't complain or participate in negative talks. Whereas an empty pot or half-filled pot will repeatedly make disturbing noises, just as a person who is not fulfilled tends to complain and maybe wallow in self-pity by repeatedly narrating their personal story as if they're a victim. And on the other side, a person with fulfillment is capable of stomaching things with a smile. We've been referring to the Venugit from within the Srimad Bhagavat Puran. The Sanskrit word Venu is from the same source from where we get the words in English voice, volume, vibrations, and words. In the language of Hindi, the word used for flute is Basuri, closely related to the word bamboo from which it is made. In the language of Gujarati, we say Vasari made from vas. Vas is the Gujarati word for bamboo, which comes from the Sanskrit word bamboo, vanch. 
There's a poem written about my guru's guru, Yogi Ji Maharaj, who was instrumental in helping BAPS migrate here to the UK and Europe and then to everywhere else in the planet. It says, Vanima Vasari Vagi, Yogi, Tari Vanima Vasari Vagi. In other words, Yogi Ji Maharaj, your voice is as musical as a harmonious flute. It's as if a flute is playing when you speak. The words we speak are a forecast of our fulfillment. This is the challenge. We need to catch ourselves by asking ourselves, the words I speak, do they serve as soothing music or disturbing noise? In other words, the words I use should become music to the ears of other people. And if not chosen wisely, our words very quickly lead to heated arguments and unnecessary strife. Once the man of the house, the husband, was sitting on the couch, flipping through channels on the television, his wife enters into the living room, sits down next to him on the sofa, and asks, Dear, what's on TV? And without even looking at her, without changing the expression on his face, continues clicking the channels and says one word, dust. And then the fight starts. Because the conversation went from deer to dust in one second. So the words we choose to say, text, and sometimes even post on social media, give us an evaluation of our fulfillment and emptiness. A few weeks ago, we learned how to filter our words with the think method. Ask yourself, what I'm about to proclaim or post, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? We should think before we talk and we should think before we text. Even the things we like and follow on social media they are a direct measure of what we like and follow inside as well, as inside, so outside. So tolerating is having the fulfillment to not seek joy from putting others down. And tolerating is being able to accept the faults of others. This includes others' limitations, uh, their imperfections, and even their needs. The one byproduct of fulfillment is forgiveness. Being able to forgive is a sign of fulfillment. If we are frustrated, resentful, or even angry about someone's behavior or habits, then that means we have not yet experienced being fulfilled. And that means we haven't truly tolerated. Once an elementary school teacher at the end of her class, tells her students, today's homework assignment is, and everyone sits up straight to hear what she has to say. She says, tomorrow I want you to bring some potatoes in a plastic bag with you back to school when you come. The children are excited because it seems pretty simple. The next day they come with this simple assignment completed. Each have their potatoes and plastic bags sitting on their desk and they're conversing with each other as to what this assignment is all about. The teacher then hands out markers to each of the students and says, take all your potatoes out of 
the plastic bag, put them on your desk. And now I want you to take one potato for representing one person you hate. Write that person's name on the potato and then put that potato into the bag. Then take another potato if there's someone else that you hate and write their name on the potato and put that potato into the bag. And continue doing so until you've listed all the people you hate and your potatoes are in the bag. So everyone does, does so excitedly. And then she tells them that on top of the bag, I want you to write a big H on the bag. And next to the H, I want you to write your name so the, you don't lose the bag. So once the teacher sees that most of the potatoes have been used up and the children have completed this part of the assignment, she says, if the numbers of your potatoes equals the numbers of the people you hate, then we're halfway done. Double check to make sure that no one's left out. So some of the kids have two potatoes in their bag, some have three, and some even have five. Then the teacher announces, now, here is your assignment for the week. You have to carry this bag of potatoes with you everywhere you go until next Friday. The students are baffled yet intrigued by what appears to be a simple assignment. The students are dismissed from recess and they take their bags with them and they go to the playground, put them on the side, start to play and their potatoes begin to soak in the warmth of the summer sun while their owners are playing and enjoying the recess. When time comes for the next class, they grab their respective bags, take them with them, and then take them home as well. As days pass, the children begin to complain about the smell, starting to come from the potatoes. And when next Friday comes, they bring their bags to the class with disgust. And the teacher begins to ask them, that how is your experience? How did you feel on day one when you filled the bag with the, your potatoes? And then how did you feel during the week? And how do you feel today? So many of the kids' potatoes have fungus and mold growing on them and the stench is unbearable, but a discussion ensues which, in which the children explain their emotions going from feeling good from feel to feeling bad to feeling worse. Then the teacher says, this is what happens when you have hate for someone. The plastic bag is our head and our heart. And when you hate someone, when you don't forgive someone, you carry stinky potatoes wherever you go. And it gets worse as the days go by. This is what you carry in your head and your heart when you don't like some people and when you don't forgive some people. This hatred makes your mind and heart stinky and unhealthy. And you can't bear the smell of spoiled potatoes for one week. So imagine the impact that this hatred can have on your head and heart if you hold on to that hatred throughout your entire life. So the simple lesson is given to the students, but the students just wanted to get rid of their potatoes. But the lesson is clear. Forgive those who have not behaved well with you or treated you badly and forget the bad things. It's only for our own good. 
this also makes room for being able to store good things when we remove the bad things. So it's not important to just be filled because even garbage trucks can be filled to the brim. But what's important is what we fill ourselves with. The moment we sense an ounce of hatred or aversion or anger, understand that that is the moment we are not filled fully with God. Wherever God is, there is no room for hatred. Wherever God is, there is nothing but forgiveness. If you are filled with God, you are filled with forgiveness. It's only when you are empty that hatred enters and fills that empty space. The Mangalacharan prayer we sang at the beginning has the words, Randran Venor Adarasudaya Purayan. Randran Venor, the holes of the flute, are being filled by Sri Krishna Bhagwan, Purayan, filling it up. Krishna Bhagwan fills the holes of the flute. So only Bhagwan can truly fill our emptiness. When we first look at a flute, the first thing that stands out are the holes and the holes and the hollow inside. So on its own, it may appear, it may appear physically incomplete and empty, but once in the hands of God, the ultimate musician, the flute is filled with melodies and begins to sing like never before. It's only when we have the breath of God flowing through us do we feel fulfilled. Otherwise, it's very easy to feel empty. Feeling empty can make tolerating feel like a burden. Mansoi Maharaj says, the moment we think to ourselves, I am tolerating, that shows we aren't tolerating at all. But when we are tolerating to please God, it doesn't even feel like we are tolerating anything at all. The perfect example of this is a mother's love for her child. One instance is when a mother stays up late to clean up the mess that her child has left behind. This is something that a mother even misses when her child grows up and goes off to university. So even though her child is now grown up, a mother still secretly wishes that she has any opportunity again to do more and more for her child. So to your parents, you're always going to be daddy's little girl and mama's little boy. When a mother does something for her child, she doesn't think to herself, I'm tolerating. Rather, she sees it as an act of love. We're not tolerating out of apathy. We're tolerating out of empathy. We're not tolerating out of lethargy. We're tolerating out of love. Tolerance is not just the physical act of enduring a difficult situation, but the emotion behind the act is what makes all the difference. That's why figuring out what our motivating force is, is key. The motivating force that is inspiring us to tolerate is more important than the measure of tolerance itself. So we don't just have to increase the quantity of how much we tolerate. We have to work on the quality of our tolerance. In other words, we shouldn't just ask ourselves, how much am I tolerating or what things I am tolerating? We need to ask ourselves, why am I tolerating? When the emotion of wanting to please God is added to the equation, 
that physical act of tolerance is converted into devotion. So tolerating is an opportunity to please God, if done with the correct mindset. We're not supposed to just tolerate for the sake of tolerating. The Hindu Shastras teach us we're not tolerating just for tolerating, we're tolerating for a higher purpose, a purpose outside ourself, a purpose greater than ourself. We tolerate to please God. When your focus is pleasing God, then even something like tolerating is transformed into devotion. Devotion to God is the one thing that can give us the experience of fulfillment. If you have fulfillment, then you don't even need to try to tolerate. Tolerance becomes second nature. Tolerance becomes the result of fulfillment. In September of 2002, one of our mandirs, Swaminarayan Akshardham in Gandhinagar, the capital of Gujarat, was attacked by terrorists. Many lives were lost and much damage was done. The standoff lasted the entire night. So five days after the event, Pramukh Swami Maharaj makes his first visit to the city. He goes straight to the hospital to check up on and pray for the people who were injured during the ordeal. Then he makes his way to our mandir, Akshardham Mandir. He is being shown around while he's sitting in a wheelchair. And to all the spots that he goes, even the place where the terrorists lost their lives, he prays for the lives lost. He prays for peace in the world. He prays that such an event never happen at any place. And he even prays for the souls of the terrorists, that they learn from their mistakes and even they themselves find peace. Pramukh Swami Maharaj staying calm in such a situation and also inspiring others to stay calm was actually given a special term, a special name. The fortitude, flexibility, and fulfillment that Pramukh Swami Maharaj displayed in a time that seemed impossible to tolerate was called the Akshardham response to show how to stay positive in a negative situation. Mahan Swami Maharaj often refers to this event and says, Pramukh Swami Maharaj has shown us the highest possibility of tolerance. He has set the standard for us. Last year in Mumbai, Mahan Swami Maharaj was shown a quote, and we don't know the source of the quote, but it says, make a mind that never minds, make a heart that never hurts, make a touch that never pains, and make a relation that never ends. On hearing this quote, Swamiji instantly showed his approval and even had it written down on a piece of paper and glued or taped rather onto the mirror of his bathroom so he could read it repeatedly. So a mind which never minds and a heart which never hurts is only possible if you have a relationship which never ends, a relationship with God. In the Srimad Bhagavad Puran, right in the beginning, Kuntaji, the mother of the Pandavas, offers a famous prayer to Sri Krishna Bhagwan in a moment where she feels that they have accidentally forgotten Krishna Bhagwan. She says, Vipadaha Santu Nahashashvat, Tatra Tatra Jagad Guru, Bhavato Darshanam Yatsyat, Apunar Bhavadarshanam. 
O universal Guru, may all of those calamities we endured happen again and again so that we never forget you because seeing you ensures that we will never see births and deaths again. There's a short story about a taxi driver and a priest. Coincidentally, they both die at the same time. Now they're standing in front of God, looking at him, waiting for him to decide where they go. God has both their history books on his desk. God first, open, first opens the book of the priest and starts flipping through it, scanning it. He closes it and sadly he sighs. I'm sorry, sir, but you're going down to the basement. The priest is shocked, but accepts his fate. Then God opens a second book of the taxi driver, scans through it and snaps it shut and excitedly exclaims, congrats, you're going up, enjoy heaven. And the taxi driver is now shocked, yet relieved. He can't believe it, but neither can the priest who's still standing next to him. And the priest turns to God to complain. Wait a minute, I know this dude, and he's never stepped into my church even once, any temple, any place of worship, and he's never done anything decent in his entire life. How is this possible? So God calmly begins explaining he says, well, you see, when you were preaching, everyone who listened to you were so bored, they began turning away from God and stopped praying. And this taxi driver, every day he drove his taxi so roughly, so wildly, that all of his passengers would pray to God as if there was no other option for survival. He turned people, everyone who came into his contact toward God, so I'm sorry, as below, so above. Life's not fair, the afterlife's not fair as well. All of us, we're still on earth. We're the taxi driver's passenger and we're the priest's congregation. Our limitation and bitter truth is we naturally remember God more often in difficulties. In 1966, Yogiji Maharaj prayed to his guru, Shastriji Maharaj, in his birthplace, Sahan karvati antarma akhand shanti rahe ane antarma anand na fuara chute mate tamari kasnima kayam rehvai He's saying, by tolerating, we are completely filled with divine peace and flooded in a fountain of joy. So, may we be able to stay strong amid all the tests you send our way. So we may not be able to be asking for difficulty like Kuntaji and Yogiji Maharaj, but it's a fact of life that bad things do happen. Bad things don't just happen to good people, bad things happen to all people. So it's important that we turn to God in difficult times. If we turn to God in the good and the bad, then there is no good and bad. There is only God. So to conclude, we followed the flute's journey of tolerance. First, weathering the storm. The flute tolerated the changing weather, the forces of nature that make us sweat and shiver, forces that push and pull at us from the outside beyond our control. Second, 
cut and carved, stabbed and spun. The flute tolerated the craftsman. Other people who cut and poke at us, spin and sand us. Forces that in the long run make us a better person than we are now. And thirdly, patience grows from purpose. The flute happily endures since the end goal of pleasing God is clear. So, Sri Krishna's flute can supply us with so many sound teachings of which the three practical aspects that we can try and apply into our life at the moment are 1. Fortitude The strength to be courageous and endure our fears and keep moving forward despite the challenges we face. 2. Flexibility The ability to let go and adjust by simply accepting the little twists and turns that life throws at us unexpectedly from outer space into our personal space. And three, fulfillment. To be content with a God-centric life by filling ourselves with so much good that it becomes difficult to even allow our shallow mind to lead us into a dark place. So lastly, let us pray for all who wish to learn and live according to the timeless tradition of tolerance by imbibing into our life the fortissimo of fortitude, flexibility, and fulfillment. Thank you. Jai Swaminarayan, Jai Sri Krishna, Jai Siyaram, Namaste and have a nice day. Stay safe, stay spiritual, stay strong.